1: America. I am not a number. I am a pretty man. Wiggins America. The only thing I'm going to need from you guys right now is a cup of coffee. Wiggins. Today's global economy waits for no man.
0: America.
1: Today's global business climate is like, whatever, dude. Politics is a dirty game. I'm not sure we want to play.
0: There are forces here at work that you couldn't possibly understand. You have no idea how high up this goes.
2: Welcome to Wiggins America.
3: All right,
4: you
0: ready for a really big show? Because I am. So welcome to Wiggins America. A little tease on what's coming up in this show. No, we're not going to lead with Ukraine. Yes, we're going to talk about it. But let's talk about it in terms of what's really going on. And let's debate America's role in it. We're going to do that next with the full cast. We've got a script that we're going to read, too. Do you like the scripts? I have no idea. I can get no read on whether people love these things, hate them, don't care at all. I enjoy doing them, and that's why we have the cast in here to do just some weird comedy. So that'll be in the next segment at the very end of it. Missy Robertson from Duck Dynasty coming up today. We're going to do today in time travel, looking back at what we're talking about in the last couple years on this date. Also, like I said, looking at the reality of what's going on on the ground in Ukraine. Because what I keep hearing from people is that they don't really trust what they're reading and what they're seeing or at least the motivations of the people behind them. So we're going to talk to a guy named Eric Cambrian. He works directly with Chernobyl. So he's part of a charity that helps animals in Chernobyl over the span of that charity. He's gotten to know people in Kiev really well and Northern Ukraine, especially all of Ukraine uh, in general. And he just knows the culture and he knows what's going on on the ground because he knows the people. We're going to talk directly to the source and skip through all the rest of the BS. That'll be good. That's in the next hour. And then, of course, a little bit of, uh, well, between now and then. I I can't say this is good news. That's why we're going to call it Tales from the Dark Side.
4: There is unseen by most an underworld. A place that is just as
0: real, but not as brightly lit. A dark side. Here is your tale from the dark side today. Have you heard of the Don't Say Gay Bill coming out of Florida? That's what they call it. I don't know what else to call it. I don't think that I should probably call it that because that's not what it is. But that's what opponents of the bill have called it. Ron DeSantis signed this into law in Florida. I'm going to tell you what it is in a second. But let me tell you the spin on it first. NBC News, Hollywood Reporter, uh, The Hill is the best article I've found on it, and that's where I'm pulling most of my information, USA Today, CBS News, a bunch of other news organizations, NPR and so forth, ABC, they're all reporting about how this is controversial and it's, at best, they're saying controversial. At worst, they're talking about it being anti-trans, anti-whatever, you know, in Russia right now, I said I wasn't going to talk about Russia in this first segment. In Russia right now, they're saying that they're going after Ukraine because of they're Nazis. They're going after Ukraine because they're trying to get rid of Nazism. These words, they don't even mean anything anymore. So don't be afraid of reading a headline that says anti-trans or anti-anything because they just throw it around like it's candy at this point. So here's what's really going on. That law, called the anti or not anti the uh, "Don't Say Gay" bill, passed this week. And (laughs) here's what it is under the bill, directly from the Hill. Under the bill, educators would not be allowed to speak to primary school students, so grade school kids, about certain LGBTQ plus topics that are not considered age-appropriate or developmentally appropriate for students. We're talking about a bill that just says, you know what? Let's keep sexual curriculum out of grade schools, especially topical stuff that's cultural touchstone touch points, which is why we're talking about it. It's cultural. It's a push to push these things on more and more people and especially to kids. Florida says, "How about if instead of telling people what they have to believe about this, which if you read those articles that I just mentioned, they're going to tell you that this is this is trying to stifle the voices of the LGBTQ community." All it's doing is saying, well, "Let's not teach these highly divisive sexual topics." To grade school kids. Let's just keep that out of the classroom. Not sure why it would be in there, but let's just make sure it's not. That's that's the point of the bill. Now, there are, and I'm looking at all these other articles now, Florida students staging school walkouts over the Don't Say Gay bill. I'm assuming these are mostly college students, but maybe high school. I don't even know. This is why when I saw people protesting, for different covid reasons either pro or against masks or whatever i thought why do we even care what a junior high school kid is protesting these kids have no freaking idea what they're doing so whether they're protesting in favor of something that you're in favor of or against it they're just a bunch of idiots <laughs> i mean i was a kid you were a kid you remember what you believed when you were in eighth or ninth grade you were a complete idiot but that's what the news is. All oh, these kids, they, they really know. They know what's really going on here. Well, that's what's actually going on. And that is what I chose to lead with today. Not because it's the most important thing, but because if you hear about it, now you know. And I've been seeing lots of, in particular, celebrities posting about this topic because I think they think this is a winner for them. <laughs> There's so little out there. If you're a far-left celebrity or name in the world of entertainment or politics. There is so little that you can cheer for right now. Your guys are running things and they're doing a a terrible, terrible job. All right. Now that we got that out of the way, yes, we're going to talk about Ukraine. We're going to talk about our role. We're going to talk about what can you believe. Four parts of this entire show today, but we're going to have some fun too. So stick around. More Wiggins America with a full cast coming up
1: next. Not all heroes wear capes, but Ryan does.
2: Wiggins America.
0: Wiggins America 97. one FM Talk, and good morning. We've got the full cast here. It's Old Roy, it's Trisha, and the Trisha Militia. We've decided that that Trisha's fans would be called the Trisha Militia, and that Roy's fans, Old Roy's fans, would be called the Old Bastards. <laughs>
2: Roy's one fan.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Roy's fan. Which is great because I have no fans, and therefore I have no names for my fans. It's a scale here. Yeah, you have the most fans for sure. Thank you. That's why Roy has one. Yeah. He was telling me actually before we started this morning. He (laughs) said, "One fan that old bastard." (laughs) He said, "That's what he said." He's like, "Man, there's a guy that I met at the bar that uh, we really have a lot in common." And I'm like, "That's not a fan." That's just somebody you met. <laughs> <laughs> but he was legitimately saying, I think this guy's a fan of mine. I'm like, he's just per- a person that you've talked to. I said he could be a fan. There's potential. There. Okay. <laughs> okay. Or a friend. Yeah. yeah. Roy, move closer to the microphone. You have headphones on and you st- nobody can hear you still. Because you're just old, and you just sound tired all the time. I don't know how to use all this this technology. (laughs) It's a tough (laughs) room. I know. I know. All right, let's actually talk about some issues here. First of all, you know where we're going with this, Ukraine. I want to ask you a question that is not being asked, and it's weird that this question is not being asked. We're a week and a half into an actual ground war, which, first of all, is it strange to you that you're in 2022? And we're experiencing a real ground war. I just don't know that I ever thought I would see that again in my lifetime. Not that there aren't wars that break out with, fac- with you know, warring factions in the Middle East and, and tribal warfare and cyber warfare and economic warfare. I just never thought I'd see a country decide, I'm going to invade that country.
4: Well, I think you haven't been paying attention because this has been going on continuously Throughout most of your life, you just you haven't been made aware of it as much as the media is make,
0: drawing attention to it now. Well, I get that there's war. I get that Palestine shoots rockets into Israel. That's real war. It's just usually it's behind the facade of a terrorist state. The state's not sponsoring it. These are just factions within the state. You know what I mean? I Yeah, I, I see what you're saying. I
4: I'm not. I'm not surprised by it. I'm not really – I don't. it doesn't seem that odd to me, that, that unique. Um, I can't explain why exactly. It just I, – I, I get what you're
0: saying, but I don't know that I'm as surprised by it. Well, here's the question that I said isn't being asked that really should be. Who's going to win this war? Do you have an opinion on that? Not as if we're going to change the outcome of the war, but nobody's talking about that. Do you think Ukraine's going to hold up? Do you think Russia's going to win? And then the implications for each of those outcomes.
2: Isn't there a general just thought that Russia's going to dominate the situation and then the hope is they're
0: done? There has been, but that w- we all thought that it was going to happen within two days. And now we're a week and a half in and it hasn't fallen yet. Things True. are not headed in the right direction. However, it's still a possibility that Ukraine could hold them off and good on Ukraine for trying that's what everybody's been so they're out
2: they're outgunned and yeah. good on them for fighting uh, I think to your question about a ground war although I'm aware of historically how are like how humans interact with one another and dominance and war and there is the perception that we live in this civilized bubble So to me, any war is like, oh, we're still doing this? Yeah. Which is naive because it it makes me wonder how often in history people thought that. Like, we're too civilized to treat one another like this, or we would never do that, or look at the people in the past and how they handled that, and are we really just another page in the history book, and do we all follow the same patterns? It's interesting when you take like a... Look at all of humanity. No, I think Look that's back at all of humanity.
0: I mean, I think that's a, a thoughtful observation. That yes, we we've been very privileged to borrow the term to not have to be fighting in wars for the most part in our lifetime. I'm not saying there's not been American wars that we've been involved in the Gulf and and in Iraq and then and, and Afghanistan, but they've been over there. They've not been here. They've not been at home. Those have been things that seem very very far away. Now, I will say though that I. I don't think that I've been naive enough to think there wouldn't be war. It's just that I, my point is that I thought it had changed. And I wouldn't have of uh, sort of put this forefront in my mind to have ever vocalized that. But that's been what's surprising to me is that we're actually seeing a country <clears throat> declare war on another country and invade that country when I kind of in the back of my head thought we're probably past the border war thing we're probably to the point where you have terrorist groups that fight against each other in the name of a state but never really sponsored by the state, or you have economic warfare, or you have cyber war, or you know any number of things that aren't exactly what this is. So that's one thing. But then, Roy, back to the other question. Is Russia going to win this thing, or is Ukraine going to hold them off? What do you think?
4: A couple of things. First of all, th- this... I, I don't think it's going to really be a win-lose thing. I honestly think after the midterms, this is going to go away in the media. The The war? Yeah. In, in terms of the media coverage and everybody freaking out about it. But you think it's going to last that long? If it lasts that long, I mean,
0: that's, that's it'll like disappear. eight months away.
4: I, I think what... It's interesting because what this sounds like to me, and this is kind of popping up in the news now in different circles. Mm-hmm is it's kind of a uh, coming down on the millennials uh, thing about th- this, blowing this way out of proportion. And, I mean, you're, you're forgetting about Kuwait, forgetting about Georgia when Russia went into Georgia. All of these things, these are not new things. but But the younger generation has been conditioned now to overreact to media, and to social media and and I honestly this is going down a, another road but I think it's relevant I, th- I think this is being utilized among other things to start turning independence and younger people against a potential Trump run in 2024 he is so tied to Putin now and to Russia because of all of the made-up Russiagate stuff that if they can get all of you younger people to hate Putin and to hate Russia and Russia is evil and all it's okay to, to, to uh, throw rocks at Russian restaurants and pour vodka out on the street, then it's going to be that much easier to turn people against Trump. And, and so this overreaction, and again, I, I don't want to minimize people dying and war. I mean, it's a bad thing. But it happens all the time, it has happened, like you said, Trish, all throughout history. This is what people do. it's, It's not the end of the world. And I think the reaction that we're seeing, especially among younger people and on social media, is intentional. I think it's being directed that way for a
0: multitude of reasons. Well, agreeing that... I don't know anybody who says, good for Russia in this situation. Everybody says this is stupid and bad So just with that in mind, do you think that we should be doing all of the sanctions? Do you think the response has been overblown or correct or or underwhelming? I? Think it's been an overblown.
4: I think the sanctions like sanctions in almost every situation are gonna hurt the people more than like the regular people the citizens are going to get hurt by the sanctions more than Vladimir Putin is going to But be. if you don't do those things, you're basically saying, Russia, you can just do whatever you want. No, I just think be smarter about the sanctions. Pick ones that are going to have the effect you want to have. You know, things like, like um, you know, as much as we kind of dislike this happening to bakers who don't want to bake a cake for a, a wedding, you know, there, there's a lot of power in the sports world saying we're going to boycott Russia because now you're hitting the pocketbook of the country of the the people in charge are going to they're going to get in trouble from their constituents because the economy is getting hit because nobody wants to go play a soccer match in Russia. So there's things like that that you can do whereas if you go in and you start monkeying with people's currency and and energy costs you're just going to hurt the regular people and you're and they're, you're seeing it's becoming okay on some of the social media to start blaming the regular people in Russia because they're they're being told either you're you're for us or you're against us and if you're not out slamming Putin then you're part of the problem and so then it's okay for us to destroy your economy
0: Well, what about the monetary thing, Tricia? What do you think about... Because we've, in the last three weeks, had two different situations where countries have used money to manipulate outcomes. In this one, it's the whole world manipulating currency to affect the outcome of the Russia-Ukraine war. And in that situation, most people are, other than Roy, apparently, (laughs) are pretty on board with... You know, do what it takes to stop a bully from taking over a country. However, two weeks ago, we were talking about Canada manipulating its own currency to freeze assets from everybody in the country who it disagreed with. Do you think that it is ever okay? Is this situational or is this something we should always, like Roy's saying, we need to just back off of manipulating money to manipulate people?
2: Um, I think those are two different situations, although I see the comparison you're drawing, because in Canada you were talking about targeting individual bank accounts, right? You're talking about mm-hmm. going directly at and violating personal liberties, which I don't know the laws in Canada, but here that seems shady and I don't like it. With the Russia thing, you're talking about a country holding another country's feet to the fire and hoping for an outcome on that. I do think it's interesting, the pushback within the Russian country, the protests in the Russian country, because Russia's divided on this. I was just reading something. They've made more than 6,000 arrests mm-hmm. of, their, of Russian citizens who are not comfortable with the way Putin's handling this situation in Ukraine. And there is a lot of global pressure. On the other hand, going into this, Putin felt convicted that he could take it over, that it was rightfully his How much bloodshed is worth it? What's what's the like how much suffering financially and how much loss of human life is worth it to put Ukraine back under Russian control? I don't know. Uh, To answer your question, because I did not. That was a lot of skirting around uh, since they're two different things. I felt okay about it. But thank you. Um, I think that the situation in Canada targeting and violating personal liberties and trying to control personal Situations is different, and I'm not okay with that. Uh, our country sanctioning another country to try to put pressure on it, on them, and get an outcome versus sending our bodies over there and trying to uh, manipulate the situation—I'm more comfortable with. So, no Canada, yes Russia. Well, I think
0: that's a good delineation. I, I, I do. I, I think they're different things, and I think Roy is putting them all into one category like a big dumb idiot. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Let
3: me me, (laughs) me, me
1: say
4: this, though, because I I think this is an important point. You keep talking about uh, Putin's a bully, you know, and we got to stop him from bullying a smaller country. Well, Ukraine is not an angel, Okay, They've got a history of a lot of bad stuff. And who's going to decide who the bullies are that we attack or, or that we go after or that we take down? There's a lot of bullies out there. We saw under Obama... When uh, Hillary Clinton was secretary of state, oh, we had to go in after the Middle East bullies. And what did we do there? We just created a nightmare situation. So is it our job to be the, the world's police? The world's police. Or are we going to go get that bully? Well, what about the other bully? What if both sides are bullies? You know, it, that's a dangerous game to get into. And it's one that we can't do globally. So picking and choosing, There's, th- think about why...
0: Is, is Putin the bully of the day? Well, I think you made a good point about Trump. Now, you took it further than I would, but I think at this point, the reason you're seeing so many people in the West, and you're talking about a lot of the left, I think we're mostly center to right in this room, and we're not for Russia invading Ukraine. Right. What we're discussing for the last 15 minutes is what should the response be from us in the United States? The left, especially in the United States and the rest of Europe, which is further left than we typically are, they've all united and companies have united to stop Russia. You made a point about it being linked to Trump. I think there's truth there that if they hadn't made it look like and this wasn't true, but they made it look like Trump was friends with Putin and they continue to make it look like that, that these two are in cahoots. Now we can go over the history of Russia Gate and the Steele dossier and all of that and how it was false. We don't have to do that here because I think we all know that. But if that link didn't exist that had been created by mostly the media between Trump and Putin, I don't think that we'd see this united front against Putin right now. I don't. That doesn't mean that we — There was — I'm sorry there, — there was a united front against Trump. The Time
4: article — I don't know if you covered that at the time — but where they came out and said this is basically a color re- revolution. We got all of the all the money people, all of the uh, tech people together and we had to prevent Trump from getting reelected. That was now that wasn't.
0: No I know the Trump, the time article you're talking about so yeah. so this... it was it was quote unquote hypothetically this is how we would do it. yeah like it was like the OJ Simpsons I didn't do it, but if I did, right. this is how I would have done it. <laughs>
4: right. So you can you can generate unity over an issue if you create a big enough bad guy. And if you can turn everybody against them, that's what they did with Trump. Now they weren't able to cross the bridge over to to get all of the the Middle America people to turn on him. But in this in this case, now it's it's somebody far away. It's a guy historically who we don't like. It's a country historically that we don't like. It's a lot easier to get the this ginned up unity. On board, just because the alternative is well, are you going to be part of the we don't want to kick puppies club, or do, are you going to be an Ooh. evil guy? So it's it it's sort of the I I don't think the unity is a big sales marketing pitch from my perspective. It I don't I still don't buy it.
2: Well, and the unfortunate irony of all of it is that this big bad Russian enemy and the and Trump's connection to it he wasn't emboldened till Trump was out of office. We're sitting here looking at a different administration that presents our country uh, in a different way on the world stage. And now all of a sudden this big, bad Trump's best friend, bad guy feels like he can act. Mm -hmm. So, all right. Like if that's your play to tie Trump to Putin and make Trump evil, also Trump kept him in check. So that's Messaging-wise, that could backfire terribly. Absolutely, hopefully, going into the this week, I don't know if you saw
0: Jen Psaki doing an interview on CNN. It's it's kind of a halfway viral clip now, where she says, "Well." You know, Biden's very familiar with Putin because Putin likes to take advantage of Joe Biden. He did the same thing when he was vice president. You're like, wait, okay. uh, <laughs> well, you just kind of made the case there. Uh, all right. We are going to take a a 60 second break here. We're going to come back with a scripted piece. Stick around Wiggins America. OK, we know what voices we're going to do. Everybody good? Yep. Sure. All right. All right. Here we go. Let's get scripted live.
2: Uh, excuse me, uh, yeah, excuse me, what are you doing? Who, me? Why, I'm taking your mail. Yeah, that's illegal, and
0: I don't want you to do it. But that's what I do. And since there's no official title for what I do, the locals call me the reverse mailman. I take mail instead of giving it, and I drive a giant mail truck that's three sizes too tall. I'm insane. But, I mean, are you paid? Is
4: this a job? You must be the new tenant. Hey, Glenda.
2: Hey, what's up with this guy?
4: Oh, did your landlord not tell you? We call him the reverse mailman. He does the opposite of a regular mailman. Like, instead of hot chocolate, he drinks cold chocolate. Wears his pants backwards, stuff like that. I'm thinking of
0: driving my mail truck with no wheels.
2: Right, but again, is this a job? I, I I don't want you to steal my mail.
4: He only comes once a week.
0: I'm divorced, and I have three kids. I need this.
4: He's just trying to make ends meet, Glenda. But I need to get my packages and bills and stuff. Just put some trash in there or something. He doesn't know the difference.
0: When I eat a hamburger, the bun is on the inside. When I print money, inflation goes down. At night, instead of sleeping on a soft bed, I sleep on a hard bed.
2: Look, if I give you some trash, will you give me my mail back?
4: Ugh! That's a little condescending, Glenda. He doesn't want trash, he wants mail. He's just easily fooled.
2: You give him trash every day!
4: No, he takes my trash. It's a service. It's the city.
2: Oh, you're saying he's a garbage man?
4: Oh! Oh. That's what you call it. That's the name for it.
2: A person who gets paid by the city to take your trash away is called a garbage man, yes. That is so smart. Makes
0: perfect sense.
2: So technically you're just a garbage man who takes garbage out of mailboxes for some reason and wears his pants backwards.
0: And I sleep on a hard old mattress.
2: I'm getting a new one. Do you want my old one?
0: Can you fit it in a giant mailbox?
2: For you? No. I can't build a giant mailbox for my used mattress. Get out of
1: here.
4: something this premise doesn't really make any sense even by our standards <laughs>
1: <laughs> get more at 971 talk.com
0: on the phone with this missy robertson of duck dynasty fame missy did you ever think you'd be famous
3: Oh goodness, no! <laughs> absolutely not. I was a shy little kid from a small town and a preacher's family, so absolutely not.
0: Well, I appreciate you doing the interview today because I understand as you're standing there doing this, you're you're holding a baby, so you're kind of in the in the foster <laughs> world right now, or something along the, along those lines.
3: Yes, I guess that's the best way to explain it. Um, I am holding him. He is precious, and I just fed him. So if you start hiccuping, I'm just going to apologize ahead of time. <laughs> oh, there he goes. But um, yeah, he his mom was in uh, one of our ministries that Jason and I had kind of um, worked with over the years. And honestly, we haven't seen or heard from her in a while and just kind of got a call out of the blue a couple of weeks ago that, she had had a baby and she was in a place where she could not physically take care of him and our names popped into her mind she said she started praying about it and um, the hospital called us and it was kind of uh, i would say not the best timing if you were going to ask me but the lord knows way more than we do and jace i asked him he said i think this is amazing and we should do it by, the- by we meaning me yeah. <laughs> Well, I'm the one that's taking care of him mostly, you know, right now. But we decided to do that, and he's already been a super huge blessing to our family.
0: It's just so interesting to hear you say that because people who know you, they know the name, they know the Robertson's, you know, from TV and from all the podcasts and things you guys do. But, you know, there's an image that you guys are normal people, but when I'm talking to you now – it's like, "Oh, no, you're actually normal people. You 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 you're doing this because you went to church with somebody who was in need."
3: Well, look, I mean, it it was nothing that we planned for sure and Sometimes God gives us so many great opportunities, and we were taking advantage of that with this with this book, this children's book that I was asked to write with Brave Books. And I'm literally marketing this book, sweet little book, about unconditional love of a family, fathers and mothers to their children, and how it mirrors what God has done for us, what the father did by sacrificing his own son for us, that unconditional love. And this call happens and later I told Jace, I said, This would if if we would have said, which I think it would have been okay, if we would have said, you know what, we're we're at a point in our lives we can't do this. We physically can't do it either. We're in the middle of marketing a book and Jace is, is filming for a new television show and I have a grandbaby in Tennessee that I would really like to spend time with. This is just not a time for us. But I told him that would have been the exact parable of the of the good samaritan and we would have been the ones passing on the other side of the street saying we're too busy to talk about unconditional love than to actually go and act it out
0: yeah and, and book, I, right. I was going to say the book is that. called because yeah. you're my family so yeah i mean it really yeah. does it really does fit the circumstance that you're talking about would you let me let me ask you this though <laughs> Is there guilt for passing up opportunities like that? Because we're all faced with so many of those things. There's so many needs in the world that how do you decide what is worthy and what's not of your time, you know?
3: <laughs> A lot of prayer. We have, I have thought many times over the past few years about how many opportunities that we have let us pass by. But we, you, can't, you can't settle in the guilt of that or, or you'll be, feel guilty all the time because there's always things that you can be doing for and with other people, but you do the best you can. We're human. We're flawed. We make mistakes. We have, you know, judgment calls that we have to make, but if we're in walking in the spirit and walking in the light, and we're constantly having that communication with our father and our creator, you know, I mean, you just got to go with it. If, if, if you feel like the spirit is prompting you to do something, then I say, take a chance and do it. You're never going to go wrong if you're trying to be led by your decisions, by what you feel like is the best spiritual place that you can do it. And Jason and I have always tried to do that. We have not always succeeded in that, but we've always tried to make decisions based on how it will help um, our spiritual life, the kingdom grow, and someone else's spiritual life. This is definitely one of those decisions.
0: Yeah, Missy Robertson, of course, of Duck Dynasty fame, on the phone with us. Let's talk about the books. It's called Because You're My Family. So is this kind of an allegory? And if so, can you kind of explain what that means?
3: Well, so the book itself is just a fictional book. And it's part of the larger series that Brave Books did. And it has the characters. This is the ninth book. And so you kind of get to know these characters before you get to my book. But Little Valor is a tiger who was adopted by lion parents so that's covered in one of the previous books but what he does is just what we've been talking about he messes up he disobeys even and he runs away from home and the storms of life come and he has to be rescued by his parents actually have to save his life bring him back into the warm home safe environment And this idealistic conversation takes place where little Valor asks his dad, why did you save me when all I've done is pout and disobey today? And the dad looks at him and says, I don't love you because you obey me. I love you because you're my son. And that is a super idealistic conversation that I'm not sure I ever really had with my kids. They're all grown now. And I thought, I wish I would have been given this opportunity to have these conversations with my children. And, uh, you know, we're, we're living real life, and that's an idealistic view. But if we can find somewhere in the middle, it would benefit all of us. And the earlier, the better.
0: Yeah, and there absolutely is that allegory that we I was just talking about. Because You're My Family, the name of the book is from Brave Books. I was looking over a cop. I, I read the whole thing, very much enjoyed it. Uh, what age range would you say this is for if people want to pick it up?
3: I would say four ages four to ten okay. because um I mean well actually I mean the adult I love it as well. Yeah, I like it, it has too. such a great yeah. a great storyline and the and the illustrations are so beautifully done. It, another point, side point, if you want to get your kids off a screen, off an iPad, try these books out because they are beautifully illustrated and will and will keep their attention for sure. But in the back of the book, there are these activities. It's called the Brave Challenge. And there's multiple activities, multiple games to play, multiple questions and and conversations to be had. So you can make this more of a project instead of just one simple little storybook for your kids. You can make it like your week, kind of your goal for the week is to talk about this and have a different activity each week. Bring Bring family game night back with these books because you can definitely do it in a really fun and interactive way with your children.
0: Missy Robertson on the phone with us. And before we run out of time with you, I just wanted to ask, because as I'm reading this, and it's from Brave Books, you know, they've done, I would say, concert, or traditional values books in general. But as I'm reading this, I'm thinking, this is a book about family this shouldn't be considered a, a, a divisive topic you know this doesn't feel <laughs> oh goodness, like I should hope not. <laughs> no no I, but but you don't see i mean i've got kids who are seven seven and four so right in that age range that you're writing the book to. oh yeah we Perfect. read a lot of books to them they're they're avid readers they're very good readers uh i mean the four-year-old's just getting to where he can start to read words but um, yeah. but they do love books and so we've read a lot with them I don't see this message being conveyed in modern books. If I go back 20 years, it's a common <laughs> message. But now it's, it's just surprising to me that this is considered a, quote-unquote, conservative value.
3: <laughs> that is kind of sad. Isn't <laughs> that it? That is really sad if you put, put it that way, for sure. Well, you know, because our culture right now, it's so divisive in terms of the cancel culture. If you say something I don't agree with or if it hurts my feelings, you're out. I'm done. Mercy is gone. Forgiveness is gone. Patience is gone. Well, all of that is encompassed in love. If you truly love your neighbor, you're going to expect the mercy and, and the patience and the compassion from them. If you did something that may have hurt someone's feelings, why are we so quick to cut that off from everyone else? We expect it. We should give it. And that's really where it all comes down to. Love encompasses all of that.
0: Missy Robertson, thank you so much for your time. The book is called Because You're My Family. Where do you recommend people pick it up?
3: They can go to bravebooks.us and pick up the whole series. If they, if they subscribe to the whole series, they get my book for free.
0: Cool. Missy, thank you so much for yeah. your time this morning. God bless you and your family and everything you're doing thank right you. now.
3: Thank you. Thank you. You too.
1: Get more at 971talk.com